If you've ever worked with a computer or uh, have a smartphone, you know how important an operating system is, or uh, maybe you don't know how important it is, but operating systems really coordinate everything that happens on your computer. It's uh, software that communicates with the hardware of the computer that tell the apps or the uh, particular programs what to do and how to function properly. And when uh, an operating software is working well, you hardly even notice. When it's not working well, you really notice. If you work with uh, PCs, you know uh, you've probably experienced that what's called the blue screen of death. Uh, maybe uh, with, with Apple sometimes, you, uh, there are times when uh, the little uh, rainbow-colored circle begins to spin, and it's been referred to uh, lovingly as the beach ball of death. Uh, when an operating system stops working and working well, it, it, we notice. It's so important to uh, integrate the uh, functioning of, of the computer. Uh, one of the jokes uh, with Microsoft is that about every other uh, operating system that they produce uh, works really well, uh, but every in-between in ones don't tend to work often. That's kind of a running joke. You might even remember back with uh, Windows uh, Vista a few years ago, uh, these these commercials, one guy represents Apple Computer, the other guy represents uh, a PC or a Windows-based system and, uh, and his security officer. So let's watch this old commercial. Hello, Mac. Mac is issued a salutation. Cancel or allow? Allow, not the PC. You're returning Mac salutation. Cancel or allow? Allow. Okay, but Mac is asking a question. Cancel or allow? Allow. He's printed this in my new operating system. PC has a lot of security problems, so he asked me to authorize pretty much anything I do. You're pointing out business flaws. Cancel or allow? Allow. I could turn him off, but then he wouldn't give me any warnings at all, and then defeat the purpose. You are coming to a sad realization. Cancel or allow? So we notice when an operating system isn't perhaps what we would hope it to be. Um, I want to use that idea and think about our lives generally. Because uh, our lives function with a sort of operating system. And it runs in the background of our lives. It's often referred to as worldview or a personal philosophy about particular issues. And here's why it's important is because the operating system of your life deeply affects and impacts how you interpret life events, how you uh, interact with social issues, how you uh, resolve crises and challenges in your life. It deeply impacts all of these, how you interact with others. Not all operating systems, not all worldviews are the same, nor do they lead us to the same conclusion or produce the same results in our lives. There is an operating system that God has given to us and invites us to live in. It's your operating system for life. The passage that we're going to look at this morning, out of 1 Thessalonians, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them there, tells us something about this operating system. The, the background reality of your life that, that coordinates your thinking, it coordinates the choices you make, it affects and impacts all of that. It is so important for your life. Let's read together, and I want to see if you uh, can pick out the operating system. You'll remember that the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers in the Greek city of Thessalonica. 
You might remember as he was going around visiting churches with his uh, missionary team, he had come to the city of Thessalonica after being run out of Philippi. Uh, there were people there that didn't want to hear about the love of Jesus and, and what Jesus has done to bring them into a healthy and whole relationship with God. So he had moved on from Philippi and he'd come to Thessalonica. And while he was in Thessalonica, he began to meet with people there and he began to uh, live out in front of them what the realities of the gospel. He was demonstrating his own operating system and would talk to them about the gospel and what Jesus has done for them. Uh, but after a while, there were people who didn't want to hear anymore about the love of Jesus for them. And so they run him out of that city. He goes to yet another city and people from there follow him down there and they keep harassing him and trying to squash the message of the gospel, and uh, he had been separated from them for some time, and, and he writes even in this letter, he said, uh, we, we so desperately wanted to know how you were doing and how your spiritual life was going, uh, but we didn't get any news, and when we could stand it no longer, we, we had to send somebody, because they didn't have telephones, and they couldn't direct message anybody, so they had to send an actual being, a person, to go and check things out, and uh, the, Timothy had come back to Paul and his group, and he had reported back to them what was happening. And this letter of 1 Thessalonians is written as a response to the report. And it's such a great report that he was so happy. And he kind of turns here in chapter 4 uh, to address some other issues that the first part of the book has not yet addressed. Here's what it says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that you, each one of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Verse 9. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Did you catch the operating system? It's in the first couple of verses. The operating system we are given is that we are, have been instructed on how to live a life that pleases God. That ought to be what a goal for a Christian is, to live a life that pleases God. And to orient everything in our life around that goal is to allow Jesus to be so evident in us that His life flows out of us and we grow in these measures uh, in abundance. He talks about two particular areas. They're not the only areas, but two that give, that give some pointers and, 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 and very tangible ideas of how this operating system is functioning in our lives. One of them is about learning to be self-controlled with the way we use our body. And the second is to love other people. 
Let's listen and lean in a little more closely to what we're told here. We are told to control, in verse 3, to control our bodies. If the operating system that God has given us, with Jesus at the center, with the Holy Spirit in us, coordinating the activity, the the thought processes, helping uh, navigate us through the choices that are presented and the decisions that you make, that over time, I think, in your life, you increasingly become more Christ-like. That, that's the goal. And Jesus becomes more evident in you. One of those ways is by controlling your own body. God has provided intimacy between a man and a woman as a great gift for human flourishing. And regardless this morning of whether God's path for you is singleness or marriage, God's holiness, God's holy operating system is what He has in store for you. It's what He calls us to. However, there are things, um, uh, all things, like our sexual expression, have been disrupted and distorted by sin. That's a very clear teaching in the Scripture. That because sin is evident in the world, everything is touched and affected and and marred and, and distorted because of sin. That's why controlling our bodies is such a... Heavy challenge. That's why God just talks about it so frequently in the Scripture. Because it is hard to do because of the impact and the reality of sin in our world. But in order to live a healthy and holy life, it is important that we learn to be self-controlled with our body, particularly in sexual expression. But the world surrounds us with plenty of opportunities that seek to trip us up, doesn't it? I mean... It's no secret that this is a hard reality to live in 21st century life in a Western-influenced world in the Bay Area of America. This is not a popular thought that we are to be somehow controlled. And there are so many things that want to lead us away from the idea of being pure with our sexual life. But the way of God calls us to purity and holiness. That is His will for your life. And for mine. So, some of you, I hope all of you received an email from me this week uh, alerting you to a particular email scam going around. They were, they're sending out emails purporting to be me. Uh, the email address was wrong. It uh, was sort of a, a, a baited hook that you might throw into the water. And uh, it signed off uh, trying to use uh, my name, but it's not the way I sign off. So I set, spent some time trying to uh, alert you to this reality and not to respond to it. Um, it basically just says, I need you to do something for me. And, and the hook is that if you bite down and you respond, then uh, you're led down a path of potential difficulty. A friend of mine... A professor here in the Bay Area at a university uh, had a similar uh, email sent to him. He thought it was from his boss, and he responded to it and went and bought all sorts of gift cards uh, and shared them with the person on the other end of the line, assuming it was his boss, and it wasn't. And, um, I don't know how much money was spent, hundreds, perhaps thousands of dollars. Um, but this is the scams that, that hit our lives, right? I was talking to a few people since that email went out. They've been telling me about email scams and phone call scams and people reporting to be their grandchildren and all sorts of things. It's crazy, the sophistication of the scams that are out there. But they're tricks. They're tricks to lead us to something that's untrue. And it does damage in your life if you, if you succumb to them. And even the most shrewd people can give in to these scams because they're, they're difficult to, to discern. And that is the ploy of the devil in the world 
is to create sophisticated scams to, to, to take us away from the life God would have, away from holy living. And one of those ways that's so predominant in our world today is by having no sense of self-control with what I do with my body. And so the world would say, here's the scam. The world says that, that you're unfettered to do anything you want with your body. And then people are surprised when the consequences to many of those decisions come back. And, and the lives that are damaged and, and the hurt that ensues and the healing that then must take place. And they're surprised. But God has given us fair warning. And He calls us to it again and again. And it's easy for us to kind of laugh it off and, and to not take it so seriously. But it is a serious matter. Because whether you're in middle school or high school... Whether you're returning to college or married or single, God provides this warning to you and He provides a different way for you to live in purity with your body. There are three reasons given in this passage. Three reasons for controlling our bodies. One is that sexual sin harms other people. Do you remember back in the days of VHS videotapes? I, I think our family may be one of the last five on earth that still has... It's not plugged in. I don't think we even had a TV that could, could take it, but an old VCR player that uh, we have it stored in our garage just in case. I'm not sure why we're saving it. But just in case. Uh, maybe when the apocalypse happens, we might need a VCR. But uh, we recently watched a movie, and it was kind of set back in the 80s, and uh, they were outside a video rental store. Remember those? In fact, the Pete's right across the street used to be a blockbuster video for those who haven't been around uh, as long at least as I have. And in the movie, it, it describes that sort of making uh, a joke. Uh, but anyway, it said, well, don't worry, you know, blockbuster isn't going anywhere. <laughs> We know that not to be true. Back in the day, and even I think DVDs today, you, you plug them in and the very first thing as it begins to roll, a message pops up and it says video or film piracy is not a victimless crime. Have you ever seen that message? You probably ignore it. I ignore it most of the time. It's not a victimless crime. And so often we think sexually that, that the things we do with our body are victimless sins. Or at the very least, it just affects me and no one else. But what Paul is sharing here, what God is sharing through Paul, is that it's not a victimless issue. When you look at pixels on a computer, it's a, it's a demeaning and a dehumanizing of the person on the other end. The person whose photo you're looking at. If... There is extramarital, premarital things. It, it affects spouses and children. It affects a, a future spouse, whatever it might be. And so it, it matters. It's important. A second reason for controlling our bodies is that sexual impurity, certainly it can be forgiven for, by God. It, it certainly is not a sin outside of God's forgiveness. And if, if you have been damaged because of sexual things in your life, it is something God can heal you from and desires to do that if, if you seek that out from Him. And it's a challenge, I know. But what it is, God is wanting us to take these issues seriously. We're reminded in verse 6 that God will punish such sins. And another reason is that the God's Holy Spirit has been given to us for self-control. So we are called to be self-controlled with our bodies. Christian people... If you claim the name of Jesus, you are called, part of your calling in Christ is to grow in being self-controlled with the use of your body. 
That's part of your calling. And God gives you His Holy Spirit to remind you of that reality, to strengthen you in the face of temptation, so that you can grow in strength in this area. It is God's will for you to grow in His Holy Spirit and being self-controlled with your body. And then Paul talks about a second area, about this operating system, that we are to live a life that pleases God. That's the operating system. That's the the central organizing principle because Jesus is in me. I, I seek and I long to live a life that pleases God. The big theological term for that is sanctification. It's our, our movement over time toward increasing holiness with God. And so we're reminded that love is the prime Christian virtue. We know that Jesus taught over and over about love, not as the world describes it. But love as Jesus demonstrated it. Love as God teaches us how to love. Love that we are able to do not because we first know how to love, but because we have been loved by Jesus. And because of that, we learn to love God and we learn to love others. The New Testament talks about loving each other. First Corinthians 13, I don't know why it keeps coming back to my mind, but uh, you know, it, it's often recited at weddings. Uh, it, it, it starts off, uh, love is, well, sort of ends with love is patient, love is kind, uh, it's not self-seeking, it doesn't keep a record of all wrongs, it's beautiful. And uh, it's often spoken at weddings, and it should be, because it's right and good, and it elevates love and, and what God designs and desires out of love. But it wasn't written to only be recited in a marriage ceremony, it was written for the church, a church like this, with men and women and teenagers and college students and boys and girls, that we would learn to love in a way that demonstrates the love of Christ in us. A love that, that is actionable and real. When God's operating system is working in you, that last part of chapter of this passage, when God's operating system is working in you, we are, we are told that we are to grow in love toward those inside the church. We are to grow in leading a quiet life. We are to grow in minding our own business. We are to grow in our work ethic and learning to work with our hands. Um, and if we're able to work, we are to be people who are actively working so that we're not, we're not continuously dependent on other people. If, if we can help it, if we can help it, because that's a healthy life is learning the joy of of God's provision through our own labor. And when that's not possible, then the church is here to help, absolutely. But we are to grow in these qualities. And and what is the result of these, the Apostle Paul says? He, He begins that last part of the passage by talking about Christian love within the church, and he ends up with talking about how the overflow of that love and the overflow of these things that we are growing in our ability to lead a quiet life and to work well with our hands and having a good work ethic, I think, is what he's aiming at. And uh, being able to uh, do all of these things leads to an overflow into the community and the world around us. So it starts with love in the church, but then it overflows into how he wraps up the passage is this way. In the last verse, he says, So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent Upon anyone, so when open op- when God opens up opportunities for those not yet part of God's kingdom, they can be invited in because of the demonstration, the way the operating system of seeking your life to please God in every facet of your being. That operating system rings true because it it, it oozes out of you. 
Jesus in you comes out. Mike Martin, uh, a Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary uh, theologian, says it this way, that the church walks this line with our, our, the culture around us of neither alienating that culture nor imitating that culture. This is, this is the Christian life that we're called into. It's the gift that God gives to us, not to constrain us, but to protect us, not to inhibit us, but to give us a pathway for healthy living. And God does it because He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And His love isn't in in binding you, it's in setting you free by pointing you to a lifestyle and allowing His operating system to work in your life to organize all that you think, all that you process, all the decisions that you make. So the life that we live, we live in love toward others and in self-control with our body. All of that is shaped by the work of Jesus in our inner life. And so as I I try to do every time I prepare a message is I try what I tell my preaching students is that a message has to work its way through your heart before it should ever work its way out of your mouth. And so the questions I ask you on a weekly basis are questions I've been asking myself and inviting God to to examine in my own life. And so here they are, a few of them at least, that I've been chewing on, is thinking about this operating system running in the background of your life, thinking about your inner world and what is giving shape to your inner world. What do you open your life to to give shape to your inner life And your spirit being, do you get regular updates downloaded into your spirit because you spend time regularly in God's Word? You know how your operating system will do regular updates? It continues to make itself fresh so that it can handle the the, the issues of the day. You know, I'm talking about your phone does it. You may not know it, but your phone does it. Your computer does it. We need regular and daily updates by spending time in God's Word so that He can refresh His operating system in us. It's not just something that that we plug and just forget about, even though it runs so often unconsciously in the background. But we are to be people that with habits put ourselves in front of the Lord. Do you pray? Because prayer is an irreplaceable moment to tune in to God's Holy Spirit in you. And it is so vital, Christian man or woman, Christian student or boy or girl, that you learn habits of praying regularly and being quiet before the Lord so that you can be in tune regularly with God's Spirit. So that you can sense and know how He is leading you. And you cannot love, brothers and sisters, if you are disconnected from regularity with other people in the church. It just matters that you have a regularity with others in the church if you're going to practice love in a biblical sense with the community of faith gathered. And then the last thing I would just mention, and then we'll be done, is on-the-job training. You know, Jesus went out and, you know, his life isn't always just sit in your quiet room all by yourself. That's not the extent of spiritual growth. Because I know there are a lot of active learners and Jesus loves you too. And in fact, he would work with his disciples. He would teach them a little bit. Then he would take them out and they would do some ministry together. And they would come back amazed 
Sometimes they come out back saying, I thought this was going to happen, but that didn't happen. And so it was in the doing that he was teaching and guiding them as well. So times of solitude, getting the scripture into us, times of prayer, but also serving and being engaged in in the work of God, being engaged with the church as we uh, do our best to follow faithfully. It's about on-the-job training and growing in these things. It's so important, and I pray that we will grow, just as Paul suggested and commanded them, inspired them, exhorted them, that they should do these things more and more. May that be the case in your heart and in your life. Let God update and restore your operating system. That the centerpiece around which you organize your life is a desire with all of your heart to please God with your life. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us in this, that you'd grow us in this, that your Holy Spirit would be the one uh, grabbing hold of our ears and our eyes and our hearts, and that you would be doing your work in us to shape us, to shape our inner world, to update your operating system so that nothing is more important in, in our lives than to please and honor you with every facet of our being. So grow us in this, we pray. Imperfect as we are, shape us, won't you? We desire it. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen.